You're listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. All right, everyone, you can find your seat. Hey, uh, listen, we're, we've been in this series of Ephesians over the last uh, five weeks. This is our sixth week. Super excited to hear the word today. In fact, our, our guest speaker, one of the uh, pastor's leaders at our church, Eve Kennedy, is going to be sharing with us. Yeah, so exciting. And, uh, and you know, I, as I introduce Dave, I want to introduce Eve as well and just say uh, someone who I really believe in, someone who I've seen grow both in her faith uh, her understanding of the word, and also just as a leader. Uh, and uh, I trusted her so, so much that when I left CA Youth, I handed the reins to her, okay, uh, up at the main campus. And that was a big deal for me, something I cared about and loved for 10 years, but it just shows uh, my, my deep trust and care uh, and belief in uh, Eve. And so she's going to bring a, a great word today. Can we put our hands together as we welcome her? Yeah. Thanks, Cam. Yeah, hi, everyone. I'm so pumped to be here. Um, like Cam said, my name is Eve. I'm the youth director at CA Church, and I am so excited to share this word with you. As, um, as I've been, like, writing this sermon, um, I feel like I've just been falling in love with God all over again and just growing this awe and wonder. And I'm so excited to share uh, what God has put on my heart. Um, so how I know Cam, like he said, we, we worked together at the church. Um, he was actually my youth pastor when I was in high school, um, which is super cool and makes him sound really old. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love Cam. I love Jessica. Um, since then, he's become my coworker, and they've, Jessica and him have honestly just become my family, um, really good friends. So, yeah, as we're going into this message today, um, I actually want to share a little story about Cam, just to start off. <laughs> so, like I said, I've known Cam for a while. I've seen, seen his his better days and his not-so-better days. <laughs> and um, there is this one time, okay, this one time in high school when I, so I'm sitting in, I think I was sitting in history. That's how much I remember this, Cam. I was sitting in history, and Cam gives me a phone call. And I'm like, what? This is so weird. Why is my youth pastor calling me? Right? So I like go to the washroom and I call him back and I'm like, hey, like, why are you calling me? And he's like, leave school right now. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, should you be telling me to ditch? <laughs> but he's like, leave school right now, go home, grab your passport, we're going to the States and we're gonna see a Hillsong concert. <laughs> With others, with others. It's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. So, yes, so I, I get home, I like, 
speed walk home. I'm like, okay, Cam's gonna like pick me up pretty soon with others. Um, and I'm trying to find my passport and I find it and it's expired. Has that happened to anyone before? You're like going on a trip, your passport's expired. It's the worst. So, <clears throat> so I call Cam and I'm like, I'm sorry, man. We're, we're not going. Like, my, my passport's expired. I, I can't do anything about it. And he was like, actually, I know this thing from my years in youth ministry that we used to take kids to Seattle every year for a conference. So I know that even if you don't have a passport, you can have a note from your parents, a signed note, saying that you can go and sometimes... Sometimes the border people let you through. <laughs> so he's like, that's what we'll do. And I'm like, okay, my mom isn't home. He's like, yeah, but she would say yes, so just write it. <laughs> Another one of Cam's really good decisions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I write the letter. He, him, um, I think the uh, middle school youth pastor at the time and one other student and I, we, we go down to the States. So we're at the border and we're all looking at each other and we're like, who? Like, is this going to happen? You know, <laughs> like, like, what are we going to do if it doesn't happen? Um, and keep in mind, so Cam, the middle school pastor and this other student all happened to be men. So it didn't look good when they were pulling up to the border with me, a pretty small female, with no passport, but a signed note saying, yeah, she can get through. <laughs> um, it, was, it was so sketchy. I don't know how it worked, but it did. And, <laughs> and we actually went to the concert, and it was a great time, and now I have this awesome memory and story. Uh, which is super fun. But today, the reason I say this, okay, this is the like really great youth pastor like illustration segue into a deep thing. That's a little bit of a stretch. So, so the reason I'm saying this is because today we're going to look at a group of people who were not citizens of, of this this place, we're not fellow citizens with other people, so they were foreigners like us going to the border, and, and they, they were let in to the narrative of, of God's plan for the world, okay? We're gonna, I'm going to explain that a little bit better, but, but basically, they, we didn't know if we would get through the border. It was just a, it was a chance. Um, these people, these Gentiles, they had no reason to be let through. They had no reason to be let in to the group, to be citizens. Um, but the thing is that they didn't have to cross their fingers and hope they get in. Um, but we have a God who, who invites them in. Um, and that's what we're going to look at today. <clears throat> so I just want to pray for us real quick, then we'll read the scripture. God, I, I thank you so much for, um, for everyone that's here today, for your church. Um, Lord, I pray that, um, 
Yeah, that you would speak in this time. Holy Spirit, we invite you here, not because you're not already here, but of recognition and submission to what you want to do today. Um, and yeah, Holy Spirit, I do pray that you would speak to hearts and minds, because otherwise, um, these are just nice words I'm saying, but God, you're, you're the one who makes it makes a change in our hearts. So I pray that that would happen today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read this. So this is found in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11, okay? We're going 11 to 22. It's quite a bit, but it's, it's a really good bit. Um, so it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, <clears throat> Remember that that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from, his, from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You're without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, his purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It's a lot, but it's so good. It's rich. Um, there are a lot of things in there that we need to know a little bit of history to, to really get, like, how awesome this is. How awesome all these things that in Christ we have. So I'm going to start from the top and kind of um, give you some, some context as to, as to what's going on here. So who are these Gentiles? Okay, it says you Gentiles. And why is there such a divide between them and the Jewish people of Israel? So Paul begins by pointing out the Gentiles' uncircumcision. So in the day, Jewish people um, from Israel, so not Gentiles, they would get circumcised by way of the law. Um, everything they did was due to the law. Their whole life was surrounded um, or around the law. 
um, they held the law strictly and, and regarded it as, as really serious um, because it was the law that would get them, get them to God, basically. Um, but it was a law that they could never keep. Um, as much as they tried, they still disobeyed God, and, and they were never able to perfectly follow, um, follow his, his way of living and, and reach his, um, his standard that he has. Um, so they were never able to, to live that perfect life. They, they continually missed the mark, and, and this was because they couldn't blot out this thing in them called a sin nature. A sinful nature that just, just makes us miss the mark and, and do things that are so against God. Um, so those, those are the Jews, okay? Now, what about the Gentiles? So the Gentiles, that's us, okay? That's us, these, these non-Jewish people. Um, like, it's almost as if the Jewish, like, the Jewish people in their eyes... It, looking at Gentiles would kind of be like us being like, oh, those are secular people. Like, they're outside of the church. Um, so that's, that's who Paul's talking to, the Gentiles, us at the time. Um, and like Jews and everyone, they also sin and have a sinful nature and fall short of God's perfect standard. Um, they live in ways that, that are different than God. But the biggest difference is that they didn't know God. They didn't live with God. Their lives were without knowledge or regard to the one true God. They were without hope um, because beyond God, life is meaningless. The giver of life is, is the only one who really gives life value. So they were, it says that they were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. And what this means is that there is this promise that God gave his people long ago. Okay, we're going back to Old Testament, the part of the Bible that some people just only open when they have to. Um, but it's personally like part, I love the Old Testament. Um, so, so in the Old Testament, God gave a promise to his people. And he, he recognized their sin nature. He recognized the divide that it created between him and them. And he made a promise that one day this Messiah, this Savior, this, this Deliverer, this King would come and save the people from their sin. Okay? Because to, to say it bluntly, if, if we want to get to God... Something has to happen with our sin. Something has to happen with our sin. Because the punishment for sin is death. So that being said, we, we deserve to die. We do wrong against God, and the punishment for that is death. But God loves his people and doesn't wish that um, for anyone. He doesn't wish that we die. So instead... Part of um, this old covenant that we're talking about is God would give people a way to, to temporarily cleanse themselves of their sin and, and get right with God. And this was through animal sacrifice. Because if, if the punishment for sin is death, then the payment for sin also needs to be death. So if... if um, 
if the punishment for sin is, is, is bloodshed, then someone's blood needs to be shed. And because God is a good God and he loves his people, he didn't want that to be us. So he let us use animals. But like I said, it was temporary because honestly, like if you think about that, that makes sense. Like an animal, it just, it's not equivalent. Um, so yeah, justifiably, um, it didn't fully satisfy God's, um, God's need for repayment. So what, what God did was that he did bring the Messiah. Jesus, um, the son of God who we're celebrating in this season, um, so he, he brought him. And, and instead of us using animal sacrifices, which is the old covenant, he made a new covenant with his people. And that new covenant is in light of Jesus being the sacrifice that ended all sacrifices, the ultimate payment that satisfied that need that God had as a just God. Um, it says, um, yeah, it says in, in verse 13, um, I'm reading from the NLT right now because I just love how this says it. Um, it says that, but now you have been unified with Jesus Christ, okay? So you who are far away from God, us Gentiles who are far from God, who didn't know God, didn't know the law, was outside of this promise that God gave the Jews, we didn't know any of this, okay? So that means we didn't know any of the, the old covenant or the new, but it says that in light um, of Jesus dying, that we have been unified with Christ Jesus, that uh, we were once far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when his own body on the cross, um, when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And he did this by ending the system of the law and its commandments and regulations. The law that was all based on human effort, the law that, that caused people to try and get rid of, caused sinful people to try and get rid of their own sin, which just doesn't work because we're sinful so we can't get rid of our sin. So he, he ended that. He he ended the commandments and the regulations, and he made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles, creating in himself one new people from two groups. And uh, Hebrews 8 explains this old and new covenant exchange really well. So it says, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a fair, far better covenant with God based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my 
covenant, so I turn my back on them, says the Lord. But in this new covenant, in this new covenant, I will make um, I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to greatest will know me already. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never remember their sins again. When God speaks of a new covenant, he means it's made the first one obsolete. It's now out of date and will soon disappear. So Jesus Christ, the son of, son of God, is our peace for he is the one who could take us, Gentiles, who, who weren't even a part of the first law. We were just living without God, without hope. We didn't even know that. But now we are united in the new covenant uh, with the Jews, taking two groups and making them one by dying on the cross for all people, all types of people. And, and he brought peace so that in people, people are reconciled, or sorry, in Christ, people are reconciled with people. So Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth to die, to be that sacrifice, but he also came to bring the Gentiles into the narrative because he wanted all people to be part of his holy family. He wanted all people. It wasn't just for the Jews. He wanted all people. He brought us into it. We, without Jesus, we wouldn't be here. So, so it says um, in verse 15 of our passage today, it says his purpose. Okay, So why did Jesus come to die and to bring the Gentiles into, like, into the narrative? Like, what's the point? His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. So, so yes, God, God came to, to die for our sins, but he also came to unite us, to reconcile us with each other because, because sin is in the world. There's just so much disorder and so much chaos and where there should be unity, there's, there's separation. So he wanted to take people who were separated and opposed not just separated, but opposed to each other, and make peace. And he did this using the cross. Because the cross, it, it levels the playing field, okay? So the cross shows us that whether you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter who you are, that through the cross, God is showing us that it is only through his son that we will be made right with God. It doesn't matter who you are. He's showing us that we all need him. That we all are saved by him alone. And that none of us could do it ourselves. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And if that doesn't like just unify people, 
Um, I don't know what does, just showing that, that we're all the same, we're all sinful, we're all in desperate need of God's grace. God brought peace and unified people with people because that's who he is, and, and that's what he always intended the world to be. We see in this whole passage that, that God, the creator of the universe, of you, of me, of everyone, he wanted to build a new citizenship. Okay? A new citizenship, a new commonwealth, a new human race. The good God who created people to be in relationship with him and created people to be in relationship and unity with each other, um, although sin interrupted this, he is now rebuilding his humanity. He's rebuilding his human race and he's forming it like he originally wanted back in the garden. And God has already begun this. And, and like I've been talking about this whole time, he's already begun this through Jesus. He's already begun this. And he'll eventually make all things new, but he's starting with his people. We still live in this messy, broken world that God needs to come and fix and make new. But what he wanted to start with was his people. He wanted to make new what went wrong with sin. So, he, so it's only in Christ that people, all people, will be reconciled with people. And it's only in Christ that we're reconciled with God. Uh, verse 18 says, For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So what this is saying is that through Jesus' flesh, by the Spirit, we can all have access to the Father. This is amazing. We can have full access, which means no matter Jew or Gentile, um, no matter what culture you're a part of, no matter how old you are, no matter what, you can approach God's throne with confidence. Um, you know... Um, some of us here, so, so we're, all, we're all Gentiles, but, but some of us here might be living lives that look a lot like how the Jews live their lives. That, that your faith is all about uh, doing things right. It's, it's about working for God's love. It's about um, working harder and being a better person to, to not feel the guilt and the shame of your sin. And, and some of you are acting a lot like the Gentiles pre-Christ, that, that Jesus is just not a part of your everyday, and you're just not living that life with him. But regardless, even still, regardless, if you're acting like Jews, if you're acting like Gentiles, if you're in the middle, regardless, we all have full access to God. Regardless of where you find yourself today, we can all come to God and you can come just how you are. Okay, you can come just how you are. And do you think that God brought the Gentiles into this narrative, into this story, not knowing that they had a rough past? Like these are people who were living life without God, without regard to him, without knowledge of him. Do you, they were living lives that were hopeless, but they were also living lives however they wanted. 
Do not think that they had a little bit of a rough past. Do not think that God knew that. Yeah, he did. Uh, but Romans 8.1 says that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means that, that no matter what you've ever done, ever, you are not too far gone for God. You're not too far gone for God, and your life is not too messy to come to God. In fact, our God is a God who, who stepped into our mess. He became man. He stepped into our mess, the mess of people's lives, and he came to, to help us clean it up, to bring order to chaos. He came into our mess because our God's not afraid of a little mess. Remember that the God we serve is one that's caring and compassionate, that's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He is our God and we are his people as we heard today. And now in Christ, we are part of his household. We're part of his household. And, and in Christ, you're reconciled to God, which means that he's near. That you don't need to be afraid of coming to God because he's near. He brought you near. And, and you know, my, um, my life hasn't always been what it looks like up here. <laughs> I haven't always been like going to church and uh, being the youth director. Um, f so I came to faith in high school and, and for a while I, um, I, I fell away for a bit. And, and I got into some pretty hard things. So I fell away for different reasons, health stuff, mental health stuff. Um, yeah, different things. I, I ended up, um, I, I started using. I struggled with addiction for, for a while. I, um, I only thought about God enough to feel the guilt and shame of what I was doing, uh, but not enough to ask for his help. And, and eventually that changed. I, I turned to God and, and stuff, stuff started changing, you know. Um, he helped me and, and he, he helped me kind of like, yeah, he stepped into my mess and helped me clean it up, really. And, and then I eventually went back to the church and I was met with this like, just what at the time was really like jarring amount of grace and love and compassion, and Cam was a big part of that. Um, and now I, I get to speak to youth kids every day or every week and talk about this beautiful gospel that completely changed my life. And, and I can relate with the Gentiles a little bit, but look, me who was so far from God is now with God, and, and he's He's with me. We're near. And, and this is the same with the Gentiles. It says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ as himself as the chief, chief cornerstone. So us Gentiles, okay, us Gentiles, are citizens and make up God's 
household. This is amazing, okay? So the Greek word used here for household, um, it, it comes from a word that means blood relation. So what God is saying, this is, this is even more wild. So what God is saying is that through, through Jesus, in Jesus, in Christ, um, Gentiles and Jews who are opposed to each other, who are hostile to each other, are now brought together as blood relatives in God's household. What that also means, which is so, so cool and even better, what that also means is that, is that in Christ, through Jesus' blood, the Jewish Messiah, Jews and Gentiles, are brought into his household as one. We are blood relatives with Christ through his blood. So not only are you welcomed into God's home, you're, you're family. You're a part of it. See, and Jesus is what all of this is built around. Uh, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And, and the reason that God is building this new household, okay, he's building this new humanity, is because he's building a new temple. A temple that isn't contained to walls, which is incredible. Like, for, for Paul, a Jewish man, to be saying this to Ephesus, a city that their whole lives revolved around temple worship of the goddess of Artemis, he's saying, hey, you're, you're getting it wrong. So, so Paul isn't just suggesting a new view. He's taking on some pretty huge opposition. Paul is challenging the Ephesians' views of God. He's threatening Artemis. He's taking on the government, the, the Roman emperor. He's threatening their economy, which was largely based around temple worship um, and and also idols that were made and bought and sold. So, so you can't say that he wasn't bold. I mean, like in one foul swoop, Paul is saying in this, in this passage, everything you know is wrong because... Because it's not about the temple, it's not about the walls, it's not about the rules, it's not about any of that. It's because it's about Jesus Christ. It's about the Son of God who unites us, who reconciles people with people, who reconciles people with God, and who builds his holy temple through his Holy Spirit. You know, um, when, when, Jesus, um, when Jesus was dying on, on the cross, okay? So I'm going to bring you to the part that, that I want to talk about. Um, so he's, he's up on the cross, and Jesus, Jesus says, like, I'm thirsty. So they dip a sponge in sour wine, put it on a hyssop branch, raise it up to him, and, and that fulfilled the, the last prophecy before he died. And then he cries out, it is finished. And in that moment, the curtain in the temple that separated people from God's presence, the Holy of Holies, 
it tore from top to bottom. In that moment, it was finished. It wasn't about the physical temple anymore. God was saying that you have full access to me, that I don't need to live in a temple because through the blood of Christ, you are made holy so he can live in you. You, us, we are now the holy of holies where God's presence dwells. And, and by him tearing down our, the need of the physical temple, he, he also tore down um, just different things that, that divided people. Um, the temple was divided in a way where um, Jews were separated from Gentiles and closer to God, and then priests were even closer. It was like a bullseye target. And then there were women around the outside. Like, so by, by Paul saying, or by Jesus um, dying and the, the, the curtain ripping, it means that all of those people have full access to God. But, and by this temple no longer, this physical temple no longer needing to be a thing, it also means that, that God brings unity and, and value and equality and, and where the temple divided people and, and like we see this in our world today. Okay, do you feel it? Do you see it? We, I think the last two years, this pandemic has just shown us the state of people's hearts. People who have been made in the image of God have been killed because of the color of their skin. Other people hate crimes because of their culture. We, we see that hundreds of indigenous lives were taken in our backyard we still, in our world today, see a divide in genders. How? <laughs> and and if that if that isn't like quite hitting home yet, um, what about like masks and vaccines? It's pretty divisive, you know. Those who are for masks or against masks or those who are for vaccines or against vaccines. And it's just shown the state of our hearts, the state of the hearts of God's church, that we are still stuck in the physical temple mentality. When God wants to take all of us, unite us, reconcile us, and build a holy temple, a holy temple that that will last for eternity. Um, I, I want to, um, yeah, I want to read this to you, okay? It's found in Revelations, and it talks about um, this holy temple that God is building. It says, then, um, so this is what the writer is saying um, when he's shown this. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as his bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then skipping to verse 22. So this is, this is the new, this is eternity that we get to look forward to. And, and in verse 22, it says this. It says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So in Christ, we are reconciled with People, people to people, people to God, and, and God is building his holy temple. And the way he's doing that is by putting his very spirit in you, that you are now the holy of holies. And, and we're going to go into a time of communion right now. So, so I can invite um, the ushers up. But something that I want us to think about as we kind of frame this time together. And it's kind of, it's kind of a strange way to do it. But um, so have you ever like realized or thought about, um, about how kind of like weird but cool what we have here is, what we have going on? Um, like here, here, like, like the school. It's, it's kind of weird, but cool. Uh, this is a place where students come every week to learn how to write essays, and they learn uh, algebra, and students play sports here, they create art here, they eat lunch here, they make friends here, and we encounter God here. But how? Because this is clearly not a church building. So how? And even though this building is not a church, God is here. And God is building his church here. Because the Holy Spirit lives in each of us. So God's presence is here and it's near. And you can come to him today. So would we not be a people who are so locked to the old temple, the, the thing that creates divides and, and hostility between cultures and ages and races, and would we not be those people, but would we be people who are united, who have kingdom, eternal mentality, when we look at each other, that this right here this is God's temple that he's building. This is his household, and this will be eternity. So what we're doing today is we're taking communion, and what this represents is the little cracker um, is, is Christ's body. 
given for you. And the juice is his blood shed for you. And because of this bread and this juice, his body, his blood, we are unified. We are right with God. And we have an eternity of of life the way it was always meant to be before sin interrupted God's plan. So when you take this communion, would you eat and drink remembering Christ's sacrifice for you, but would you also eat and drink and look around, recognizing God's church around you, the people that you're going to be with forever, his holy temple. Um, So you can come up now, and the way we're going to do this is if you want to come down the middle and then around the sides back to your seat, um, that would be appreciated. So whenever you're ready. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the rail city campus of CA church.